0: you are all very welcome. Hello, everyone. To the Calm Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, art, nature and wellness. And I am your co-host, Shane McKay. And I'm your other co-host, the opposite side of the coin, Chris Sneed. And today we're going to be talking about Zero Waste with a great and guy, Jack O'Sullivan from Zero Waste Alliance, Ireland, who you can find. dot yeah. um, ZWAI.ie. Yeah, that's ZWAI.ie. I.ie. They've got a great website, guys. Actually, you should go and check it out. I'll just pull it up here for you. That's it there. Well, you can see that massive amount of landfill we've got yeah, we on that Yeah, that's about pretty that. disgusting. Like, yeah, it's unreal. I want to find out where that is. So, no further ado, we're going to get straight into it. I suppose we're giving a little wee intro. So, Jack is the director of Zero Waste Alliance, and that was founded that, in 2003 two ch- or 2004. Yeah. We have to double check that. Zero Waste Alliance is an Irish NGO which advocates a cradle to cradle approach the circular economy and ensuring that anything we produce or import can be repaired, reused, recycled, or composted at the end of its life. And Chris, this is a subject we're quite passionate about, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we were really excited to see the new right to repair kind of movement coming into effect, really.
0: Yeah. it was all over the news last week with Apple and the Chargers, mm-hmm. and we covered that on a live stream last Sunday, if you just want to go and check that out. Jack, actually, he's also got a consultancy yeah. business called he's Environmental, the owner, what is it Chris? Management,
1: Sorry. Environmental Management Services.
0: Yeah, and they're and going a long the, time.
1: Oh yeah, for like 44 years or so. Yeah. And he's the owner director, yeah. There's a great quote actually from their kind of blurb. I believe addressing climate change is the greatest challenge facing humanity. And the mitigation of its effects can be resolved only by cooperation, innovation, and sharing.
0: Yeah, so like, well I'd, in June. Do
1: you want to bring Jack in there?
0: Yeah.
2: Jack, are you there? I am, of course, guys. And thank you for a fantastic introduction.
0: Oh, you're very welcome, Jack. We're absolutely yeah. delighted to have you here.
1: It's, it's great to talk to a like-minded individual, you know?
2: Well, I feel I'm among like minded individuals because not only are you interested in zero waste, you're interested in the environment, nature, culture, art, mm. and human well being, all of which are essential. And, and we should be looking at them together instead of looking at them separately because they're all completely tied together. Oh, yeah. We're not close to nature. We don't have good well being. If we're fecking up the planet and fouling up the environment, is it not surprising that that we have a lot of illness of every sort among human beings and other creatures with whom we share the planet as well? That's Absolutely. It.
0: And we, we did a, we did a show about wellness there last week, and we covered the fact that you know our environment is it's it, that is part of wellness. So whether you want to hmm. talk about climate or the environment, if we're not look, we see it anyway. At least that if you're not looking after the environment, how are you looking after your health?
2: A hundred percent. And and the figures, anything I read about human health and well-being, and the environment says are closely connected. I, lead, I read that journal called The Lancet, which is a very, very good
1: Oh, medieval. I love The Lancet. Do oh. you? Great, Chris. Oh, yeah. It's the oldest medical publication in the world. It's been going since, like, the late medieval period. I think
2: it has. It goes back a long, long way, yeah. like myself. Like, yeah. like zero waste.
1: Uh, life. Like a, Lance- a, a, a lancet was a tool used by barber surgeons and kind of cunning men and things, which was a very small knife that they could hide in like a ring or whatever to take yeah. blood samples. Um, and they
2: use it to take blood because yeah. in those the long, far off days, one way of attempting to cure an illness, which, of course, we now know is mm. a bit kind of rubbishy,
1: um, it's actually it's actually they 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 still use uh, bloodletting to a degree in some medicines, um only only really for hematoxicromia.
2: Oh that's fair enough. You've got yeah, me yeah. there now, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. how you <laughs> Sounding <exactly laughs> like a doctor who would do it, it was perfect like, in pronunciation. The history the history of medicine
1: is a bit of an nerd topic of mine. I used to be a historical reenactor doing the history of medicine.
2: Really? Oh that must yeah, be fantastic. But, if you ever do a stage show, Chris, on that, I'll be along. <laughs> sure, we'll, we'll get back to the topic at hand anyway. Yes, back to the topic. <laughs> yes, yeah, You so asked the... Shane about Zero Waste Alliance, Ireland. Um, yeah. And these are the, the, this is the main organisation we'll, we'll talk about. So you mentioned I have a consultancy as well. Um, way back in the 1990s, I was doing lots of work around the country for small groups of people, local residents who were against landfilling. Either they were living near a landfill and they were being affected by flies, rats, smells, smoke in some cases where landfills were. Water went contamination? By. Yeah, water contamination, absolutely. And some of them took court cases in one, for example, now near Ballinasloe, they barricaded the landfill so the lorries couldn't get in. I remember that and that was that was on the news, and all wasn't it? It was yeah. a lot of these cases hit the news, and then uh, Galway County Council took an injunction against them, so it ended up in court. And we, ha- I was part of the pe- of the crowd working for the local people as a consultant, and they had a legal team, and we were in court. And eventually, Galway County Council closed the landfill down. Similarly, in County Clare, in Tipperary, we got quite a lot of landfills closed. And other people then were being oppo- opposing very strongly the idea of new landfills because, of course, as old ones closed, new ones had to be opened, or so they thought. Mm-hmm. That was the idea at the time: just uh, use it and dump it. Yeah. And again, there were quite a number of court cases, some of which we won and some of which we lost. But in 1999, a number of those groups came together in the Hudson Bay Hotel near. Athlone. And we formed a kind of an alliance. I gave a paper on landfilling. The rest were kind of people I knew or people who knew people I knew. And out of that, by about 2003, Zero Waste Alliance Ireland was formed because I had said and other people had said as well, what we really need to do is just have zero waste. I remember saying, there's no waste in a forest.
0: Yeah, that's it, Jack, exactly. in
2: in, in nature doesn't waste stuff. It's it's the circular economy, if we knew about it at the time. Mm. That was where the term cradle-to-cradle came in, because a couple of American authors had said, we're not interested in the cradle-to-grave approach, which Mm. is making Mm. sure we extract stuff, deal with it, and then bury it. But the cradle-to-cradle, meaning it gets into a kind of a circle.
1: It gets fed back in at the beginning.
2: Exactly. So anything that we produce, which is, uh, say, made of metal or plastic, it goes back into the technical the technical circle. We can reuse it, melt it down, turn it into something else. Anything that is biological goes back into the ground. It's composted. Hmm. It's made into, um, it, it could be digested as well, too, anaerobically. Yeah. Or composted. We,
1: we, we've been talking about that quite a lot ourselves. Actually. Great.
2: Yeah. That's one of my great, yeah fashions as composting mm. and and uh, so on. So that's how it all started. And then it went on for a long time with only a few people. And in twenty late 2019 and 2020, we we decided we really have to do something about it. And we did two things which are very important to raise Zero Waste Alliance Ireland a little bit further up the scale. We started employing someone. We have a lovely girl now called or- Orla oh, yeah, I've Kooten. spoken with
0: Orla. She's lovely, actually. Yeah, she's
2: great. Yeah, she's super. And um, we now have moved from being about four or five members up to about I think sixteen or seventeen, and we are looking for new members. Yeah. So mm-hmm. any of your listeners who are very interested and would like to join up, do get in touch with Orla Cooten through the Zero Waste Alliance Ireland website. Now, yeah. that landfill, by the way, you saw is not in Ireland, mm. but it's very similar to landfills we had years ago. Right. Right. I've seen and explored on behalf of work I was doing landfills in Kaliningrad, in Russia, and in Lithuania. At that time, they were bad, like the Irish ones. Well, mm. what do we do now, you might ask? Well, you could say it's an improvement. On the other hand, there's, I don't think it's that of an improvement, we have a few landfills left now in Ireland, very, very few. The EPA keeps a fairly tight control over them. But we shouldn't have any, except maybe for some very old legacy stuff you can do nothing with. So where does most of our waste go? The answer is we burn it. Mm. Recycling, huh. <laughs> That's meant to be a, a derisory, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah it goes into the big incinerator in dublin it goes into the incinerator in county meath which is next to a cement plant it also goes into cement plants mm. cement plants are absolute absolutely like, you low know, paper yeah, you plastic. need you
1: need fairly high temperatures for the lime kilns you know
2: that's absolutely right chris 1400 degrees yeah. centigrade and when we um mix that lime and the other stone shale together and we make what they call clinker out of it. Mm -hmm. The lime gives off a lot of, the limestone gives off a lot of carbon dioxide. Not only are we using huge amounts of fuel, whether it was, say, gas or coal or oil, or or, um, they used to use a stuff called carbon before as well, but more, so that's giving off a lot of carbon dioxide but in addition to that the chemical reaction to produce the cement gives off carbon dioxide so cement is hitting the climate with a double whammy mm-hmm.
0: And plus, like, we're, 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 we're in a country here where we have saw a massive boom in, um, in, in property. So, like, there, there's been a ton of concrete. I'm not a big fan of concrete myself either, actually. In our like, um, we, were, we, we were looking at putting a bit down in the garden. I was like, no, I want my soil. I want the drainage.
2: Yeah. Well, you're right. Um, concrete is- has three main disadvantages. One, it costs an enormous amount to produce mm-hmm. uh, in terms of energy. Now, it, it may not cost a lot in terms of money because most of these big companies have big quarries where they dig out the limestone. That's, they're taking out an, a, a communal resource, but they're not charged for that. You can operate mm-hmm. a quarry in Ireland for very little money, and we we'll come back to that mm-hmm. later. That's interesting, yeah. But they're also using up a lot of our waste, uh, which could be recycled. Mm-hmm. And so we're giving it to them, uh, and they, they, it's almost free. In fact, if you drive up to a cement plant with 20 tons of packaged, uh, what do they call it, refused derived fuel or solid recovered fuel, hmm. you have to pay them to take it. Hmm. Now, imagine if somebody drives up to my house with a big load of logs and uh, he wants to give them to me and I say, well, I'm going to have to charge you 50 euro for that load of logs. He'd yeah. kick me down the road. Yeah. <laughs> He'd be charging me 100 euro or 200 hmm. euro for a big lorry lo- for a trailer load of logs. So it's really crazy, and we don't use other building materials. We right. have superb building materials in Ireland. One is clay. Yep. Yeah, clay is great. Houses built of clay. I was in an eco village in Hungary many, many years ago. Lovely guy there was building his house. He was digging out the clay almost next to the house. Yeah, basically oh. holding the ground. Someone and, did
1: the same thing in Sherwood Forest there a few years ago as well. Really, Chris? Yeah.
2: Very interesting.
1: Wow. Um, he, he used barley straw blocks and then yes. put the clay around them because it was an, it's an absolutely perfect insulating material.
2: It is very good. And what surprised me was how strong clay actually is. And I had direct experience of that myself oh. because this guy, uh, Bela Boschus, he came back with me to Ireland for a visit at one stage And somewhere in County Meath or between here and Dublin, this here being the middle of West Meath, by the way, somewhere between here and Dublin, there was an an old house I'd spotted, probably just a little old tiny cottage used as an animal shelter. And the plaster had fallen off the walls in a few places. And I saw the walls were made of clay. It could have been at least 150, 200 years old. So we got out of the car, we climbed over the fence, we looked at this clay, and I tried to scratch it with my fingernail thinking it would be soft. It was as hard as anything. oh yeah,
1: I mean, especially if it's a high iron clay or you know it could have been Chris it was that dark brown color anyway yeah, that would be a high iron clay because when yeah. when you when you fire it or whatever it like the, the it locks together completely like yeah. sorry I do I do a bit of pottery as well.
2: <laughs> Chris, jeez, you know, I was a potter for a while. Oh wait? Wow. Wow. I was. Oh, wow. And I'll tell you how it happened, and I don't know if your listeners might be interested in this story. Oh, we'd love to hear some stories, Jack, please. stories are I think stories are great. I'm a great fan of people like John Moriarty, who says, you know, we, we live by our stories. That's it. My first research job after graduating in biology and zoology and biochemistry down in UCC in Cork, I went up to County Mayo, where I was doing work around the shores of Loch Conn, basically uh, collecting and identifying the organisms that were living in the lake bed and around the lake shore. This was to see if they had been affected by the the drainage of the lake and reduction of the level. At that time, I had a motor scooter, by the way, and I used to tow a trailer behind it. It was a great (laughs) way of getting around, it really was. The trailer was made from an old golf cart, which wasn't supposed to be doing 40 miles an hour. I the tires put it did <laughs> <in> it. <laughs> so close to the B&B where I was staying, I saw a sign saying pottery. Mm. So being a curious type of person, I walked up there and in I went and I could see they had all the stuff. I didn't know anything about pottery at all, nothing literally. No. And there was a French woman, Madeleine Frayer. She's long since passed away. She's mm-hmm. a lovely woman.
1: That was, that was about 15, 20 years ago was this, that she passed uh, away? This right? was in the 1960s, Chris. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. I must know, some, I must know a pot, another French Potter.
2: Was there? You yeah, you. Well, if, if you do, I'd love, to, I'd love to make that connection.
1: Oh, um, no, no, she's died about 20 years ago.
2: Uh, well, Madeleine died about 20 years ago.
0: All right, then it must be the same person, maybe. Oh, but you I mean think. it was the sixties when this, from when this started oh, from those? Oh, right. Yeah, no, you yeah. Exactly. we got crosswords. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And so, um, she said to me, "What do you do?" So I said, "I'm a biologist." And she said, "Of course, then that means you can draw." <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, maybe. And of course, it did happen in those days, and maybe it's still true. That if you do biology, you have to dissect creatures. We dissected earthworms, frogs, yep. and various other creatures. And you have to draw what you see and label it. And I got, I, I got an ability to draw. So a brown piece of brown wrapping paper and a pencil was produced. And I sat down and I drew, I drew crabs, lobsters, fish, and seashells, and all the different kinds of marine animals, because even though I was working around a freshwater lake, my real, real love was the sea. Wow, yeah. My love is still the sea very, very much.
0: That's that's another area we'd love to get into, Jack, because the sea sea is in real, real peril right now.
2: And so are we because of that as well, and the rest of the planet. That's so right, Shane. So Madeline said to me, words like the following if you can draw that on a piece of paper you can do it on a pot (laughs) so I was instructed in the in the technique of scraffito and how this works is that you make the pot out of dark clay it could be a thrown pot it could be Mm. a slab pot and you might know about this Chris if you're a potter and it's a nice dark and then we we call it green clay and then before the it's hard, mm-hmm. you dry it a bit, and then you put some slip on it by pouring slip in and pouring yeah. it off and slip, for those of your listeners who might know, it is like a, a creamy stuff, yeah. a white creamy stuff. And you pour it off again, and uh, you let the pot dry a little bit. Now the mm-hmm. dry... They're hard. Yeah, exactly, yeah. As you know it. And if it's too hard, the slip will crack. If it's not hard enough, it'll flow. So now you take it very carefully, leather hard, and with a piece of bamboo, which you've cut into a little chisel point, you draw through the white slip into the dark clay, and that gives you a drawing of dark lines against a white background. Oh, wow. And you can't make a mistake, because if you do, it's very, very hard to patch it up.
1: It's very similar to um, the, the frescoes, like you have to work while it's, you know, in the exact right space, and you have to
2: be as precise as possible because there's no changing, there's no editing. Oh, that's <laughs> so true, Chris. And I used to do as well as drawings of marine life. I used to do um, Celtic designs. Celtic. Oh notebook. wow, really? Wow. Have you got so, any of uh,
0: that anywhere, Jack? That we can look at? Uh, there's
2: one or two pieces left. One or two pieces here in the house. Great. So I used, to, I did that when I was working out there for two years in County Mayo. I'd go up to the pottery in the evenings and the weekends, and I didn't get paid. I was very happy. I got fed. And what was lovely was that um, the people who ran it, Madeline and Grattan Frere, the place was called Terry Bourne. It still exists as a pottery and they still produce mm-hmm. lovely stuff. And they used to love lobsters. So north of May, on the north coast of Mayo, was a place called Port and another place called Port not far, by the way, from where there's a magnificent group of people who are my heroes who resisted Shell for many, many years.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Great
2: very work, very Great work there. there, they do. In Mayo. Yeah. Beautiful place and a, a powerful place. So the, the, the people who ran the pottery loved lobsters. So I would be dispatched to the north coast to <laughs> buy a lobster, which you could do for one pound. You got a big yeah. lobster. And, of course, I got a little share of it then for that. So it had a great time. Then I had to work, uh, find some paying job, because what I, what I was doing around Loch con was just research work as a part of a postgraduate student. So I worked in England for a while, and we can talk about that another time. That was very good, too. Again, I was working as a sea fishery officer, uh, looking after some 440 miles of coastline. We thought in miles in those long-since distant days past I still think of miles occasionally mm. now and again. So that was the pottery. Where were we before we got onto that side track?
0: We now?
1: were talking about the incinerator and um,
0: the cement. Clay, yeah, clay versus cement, I think,
2: is how oh, we got onto that. that's where it came from. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I once was in County Leitrim because I had friends there who had moved and set up the um, place at Ross Inver, an eco-village. Yeah. And uh, that became the North Leach of Vegetable Growers. Hmm. And they had that, a lot of
1: pushback on that as well, though, um, from, from uh, the building regulators and everything. They were crawling all over them.
2: I know. Right. Our building regulators really, you know, there's some good uh, hmm. in it. And we can talk about the building regs in a while because Zero Waste Alliance Ireland is in a battle with the building hmm. regulations at the moment hmm. because we, want cert- we believe certain things should be yeah. open and there's, should be allowed like and,
1: um, the eco village, they wanted their own anaerobic digester, and they wanted their own like turbines, and they wanted to build yeah. various different styles of houses, eco like yeah. ecological houses, and pretty much everything was slapped down. They were like, no, you have to build like uniformly, <laughs> you
2: know. And I know, and the eco village down in Clough Jordan in County Tipperary had a similar battle too. Hmm. The problem I think here we have in Ireland is that many of the um people in our regulatory authorities are very reluctant to move away from the standard, what they see as the standard tried and true methods. And, mm-hmm. you know, well, they
0: have a, they have a, they have an interest in that, don't they? Isn't that fair to say? <laughs> the, like,
2: uh, they're it, just, it, it, yeah, <laughs> they're very reluctant to explore. And, you know, it, it's sad because the global Village network, which is a great crowd of people, they meet every so often. In Europe, with our 27, 30 or so countries, we have 200 eco-villages. There's only one in Ireland. And in the 1960s, I thought Ireland would be an absolute ideal location for eco-villages. We had a conference in 1976 out Mm -hmm. in Glen Cree Centre for Reconciliation and hundreds of people attended and I thought, Ireland is going to be a fabulous place. New ideas. Um, a lot of people living communally, eco-village network spread. It all died in the 1980s. The 1980s mm-hmm. in Ireland was a lost decade. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. became mini-capitalists. Mm-hmm. And then we, yeah. came, we became big capitalists with the result that the land became destroyed, the soil has become damaged, rivers have become polluted, mm-hmm. and also our our own minds have become damaged. It's quite are. tragic, really. It is. It was, is. It's, it was unnecessary. Right. It's very tragic because um, as a country, we should be leading in many different ways. Oh, okay, yeah. our, our politicians will say, oh, we've got the biggest, the biggest um, data centers. So what? Uh, we've got all these big chemical companies. So what? As yeah, said,
0: yeah.
2: How are the ordinary people surviving? To yeah. me, I look at the country. I, I look at the poets the artists, the writers, and the ordinary Sean and Mary citizen. How are they doing? Not mm-hmm. the millionaires. Yeah. Any well, country can have them and they can have three four, 99% of the country in poverty.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's, that's to us, we were talking about that a little bit, Jack, it goes back to exploitation, really, whether it it's does. exploitating and the people or the economy, their environment, it's all exploitation, really. If, if people are, <laughs> or they're hoarding their resources. Yeah. What else and, is it but
2: exploitation? Well, there's a lot of exploitation. And Fintan O'Toole, who writes occasionally for the Irish Times, and I'm a great fan of his stuff, he's pointed out that all, not all, but many of the absolute billionaires got that way by getting hold of and exploiting a communal resource that was owned by the Irish people and he gave one example among many was the man who got hold of a certain amount of the electromagnetic spectrum okay. with result that he got that for very little money with the aid of a person who was a minister at the time right. and who was later found to have collaborated with him but that man is still a TD I'm not naming names of yeah, course yeah the no, liable <laughs> and he made a huge amount of money. And then you you look at, for example, we mentioned quarrying a while ago and, and cement. And um, the cement industry is very, very powerful. It has mm-hmm. the ear of government. Yeah. The other day now in some one of those looking back to the nineteen It's it's Jack, I think it's
0: fair to say it's kind of I would consider to be part of what was the kind of you could call the false economy bubble where we were just building and building and building, but we're, we're, there were no actually real amenities going in to, into these places. You know, it did, yeah. the, 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 the motivation was just, in my eyes, effectively
2: to profit. The yeah. motivation was greed, Shane. Sure, yeah. greed. Cheer. But again, if, if you look at the capitalist ethic, if you can call it an ethic, <laughs> against which President Michael D. Higgins is always speaking out against, and he's mm. very, very good. Mm. Basically, the system works by exploiting people's greed. Yeah. And it's not a good... Now, of course, what do you replace it with? But that, that's the big question. Now we're moving the yeah. environment into politics.
0: Yeah.
1: The more sustainable way is in the long run cheaper, like for
2: the company. Which is, we have to be sustainable, Chris, because mm. if we're not sustainable, we are yeah. definitely not going to survive comfortably. We'll survive, mm. but probably we we'll don't know how we'll survive. Yeah. And Chris, you mentioned sustainability. It is incredibly important. And what's equally important is knowing what sustainability is. And I see the word used by estate agents uh marketing people uh people who uh pretend that they can teach you all about companies oh you have to have a sustainable company how do you run your vans diesel oh that's very sustainable yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. when i think about sustainability i think about people living in a rainforest for maybe ten thousand years and the rainforest is still as good as it was yeah now, we can't do that, but can we live, and this is the challenge facing human societies worldwide, mm. can we live in a way that not only it, are we using less than what the planet produces, but we are regenerating mm. and repairing the damage and destruction of the last 100 years or 150 years since the Industrial Revolution began? Yeah, yeah. Only that, that, that... In that
0: that's a very exciting topic to me, actually. Like the, and coming from the, I've, I, I think I saw you, like this issue of innovation and technology, that it is very exciting when you see what's happening on the, uh, in there. It's just, for me, it's a, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a pity that it's taken this long
2: for it to get real mm-hmm. traction. That's the problem, Shane. It's taking an awful long time. I remember reading back, reading the 19, in seven, 1972 the Limits to Growth study which is a fabulous study where the uh, people who are doing it, uh, Donella Meadows, Jurgen Randers, and based on the work by the American professor Jay Forrester on global modeling, Hmm. were showing that we cannot continue the path we're going on. A lot of people said, oh, that's just doom and gloom. No, it's not. It's basically saying, if you do this, this will happen. It's realistic. it's very realistic. Now, it so happened that it didn't take into account to the extent to which it should the uh, effect of climate change. And so it's, the, the model is actually worse now. It's more difficult. But what we have to do, according to that model, is cut back hugely on industrial production. Now, this was 1972. Yeah. They redid the model in 1992 and they re, 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 refined it again in 2002. And each time the model showed we were traveling further and faster towards global collapse of ecosystems, of economies. And you can see that beginning to happen as well.
0: Yeah, there's an energy crisis, like we're right on the cusp of an energy crisis. There's an energy
2: crisis, there's a materials crisis, there's a lot of, and of course there's a climate change. And the climate change, is a crisis.
0: Well, do you know, Jack, we, we like, we, we, I've hit on, a, there's a point of, to do with that I've been starting to tune in that, you know, to call it climate change to me is like, it's a little bit misleading because, like, climates do change. What's really happening mm-hmm. is, it's climate impact. We're having an impact on the environment. It's environmental impact, really. To call it climate change is like, it's like, well, are we going to call it like climate inevit- inevitability? Like change mm-hmm. is inevitable as well. So it's a very, well, to me, misleading kind the, of term. The
2: only constant is change. Yeah, It is. That's right, Chris. Well, Shane and Christy, the word I use a lot is climate chaos. That's, yeah. that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty change. accurate. The climate is changing, but it's changing in a way that's chaotic. And the important point, which I think mm. some of the climate deniers latch on to or, or will ignore, is the speed of change. You can look back mm. 50, 60 uh, million years. You can look back several hundred million years. There are times when the Earth was warmer. Mm there were times the earth was cooler. But those changes might have taken, say, a million or two million or a million years to happen. We're causing that degree of change to happen in probably 50 or 100 years.
0: Well, that was fantastic. What a great guy, Jack O'Sullivan, and such a mine of information around zero waste. And he's a great guest. We're so happy to have him on and he'll be back again soon with more well a lot more coming up around this topic and i highly recommend anybody that is interested in this to go and check out zwai.ie that's the zero waste alliance ireland website and they're also looking for volunteers so if you think that you can help get in touch with them guys okay and that's it for today we will be back soon so keep well thank you